another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar and Paul Hodawanik here from WCCO Radio. Uh, look, Paul, you go to your go to your app on your phone. Once you pull it up right now, get your calendar app out. Once yep. you take a look at it, okay. two weeks, my friend, in two weeks from when we are recording this right now, rookies will arrive at the Omni Hotel next to the TCO Performance Center in Egan. And those rookies will wander over to the practice field and begin NFL training camp for the Minnesota Vikings. And then two days later on Tuesday, the 26th, so we are 15 days away from this, the Vikings will actually begin training camp, thus ending the summer for me and uh, finally getting back to some real you know, NFL talk that, Things are changing because nothing has changed outside of Baker Mayfield being traded. But other than that, we've just kind of been uh, kicking back and having fun. But in two weeks, we will have real training camp, which means it is time to begin previewing training camp. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Very excited. I'm ready to see some uh, early odds for Mr. Mankato, even though we're not in Mankato anymore, but I'll be scouring books looking for if i can if i can get any action in on that so uh well we will definitely have that conversation as we go (laughs) along so one thing that i want to do though is for each position and in some cases we'll add a couple of positions together like receiver and tight end or like maybe corners and safeties i don't know that we have a 45 minute show on safeties although do not dare me and and even you know the other day jalen ramsey sort of daring me to spend my entire day on the NFL history of corners when he tweeted out that he had the best six seasons to start a career of any corner in NFL history. Not so, my friend, not so. But, uh, you know, he's really good. You do some digging? uh, Do you find a better start to a a career? Oh, yeah. I mean, Deion Sanders. If there's, there is absolutely no question. Not only was Deion Sanders a defensive MVP and an all-pro Uh, multiple times. I think it was four times all pro out of six seasons. He also played major league baseball and he also caught passes and he also kick and punt returned five touchdowns in his first six seasons. Uh, Sorry, Jalen Ramsey. I know you're really good at football. You didn't play in a world series. So (laughs) I think that Deion Sanders had a better first uh, six seasons to his pro sports career than Jalen Ramsey. Also Rod Woodson, one of the goats was the other one that I brought up. Rod Woodson probably has the most underrated career of any defensive back, maybe in NFL history, because he just wasn't as flashy as Dion in the same era. But his, I think, was also three Pro Bowls or, or three All Pros, five Pro Bowls or something. I mean, just crazy stuff from those guys. So um, don't dare me to do a whole show on safeties because I'll he, absolutely do it. If he's third, then I mean, I'd I'd take third. I don't know if Jalen Ramsey and his ego and how he thinks about things is happy with third. But if I'm just below Deion Sanders and Rod Woodson, I, I think I'm packing up and going home. If I can be on a list with those two. Well, you've got Patrick Peterson, Richard Sherman. If you want to go way back, right. I think uh, maybe Herb Adderley had one of the best starts to a career. So look, it's, you know, yep. I don't expect an NFL corner to also be an NFL historian, but you know, I had to bring it up. And if we are to spend an entire show at some point on safeties, We will do it if we have to. But uh, for this episode, though, we're going to start in the most natural place, which is the quarterback position. So we're going to do this hot route style. Uh, I won't play the intro, but we'll do it five question style about each position or position group as we go through our previews. Plus, we'll have 
the usual stuff, other interviews, uh, fans only. I've already got a couple of those in the bank because you guys have sent so many questions. So, you know, we'll roll on. But here's how I want to begin, Paul. In an article that I just published or will have published by the time you're hearing this, uh, I looked at how quickly Kirk Cousins can adjust to a new system. And I discovered this gem of a statistic. In the first five games of his season, so weeks one through five, assuming there's no you know bye week in there, from 2017 to 2021, his quarterback rating is 101.3. In games six through the rest of the season, it's 101.5. And he's changed offensive coordinators every single year. So does this tell you that it's overrated when it comes to talking about adjusting to a new system? And thus, should we care about the storyline of Kirk Cousins adjusting to a new system? I think generally speaking, the idea of adjusting to a new system scheme is probably a bit overrated. Uh, Just in terms of these guys, they played football a long time. They've been in different systems. They game plan for different systems. They like Kirk Cousins has like, yeah, he might've been in a West coast style offense. That doesn't mean he doesn't understand what other quarterbacks run or what other football things are like, this is his job. I think he has a decent understanding of how things go. Obviously there's going to be some minutia that's different, some diff, some smaller differences that they have to adjust to. So generally I think it's overrated, but I do care about the storyline with Kirk and Kevin O'Connell this year. Uh, just because it's happened five seasons before doesn't guarantee it's going to continue to happen every season. I think that's just a part you have to take. And I mean, he's one of the oldest starters in the league. We're doing this another, another year in a row. This just kind of continues the ever turning cycle of people in cousins's ear time and time again. But I think previous adjustments were in the confines of kind of the same leadership, like under the same Zimmer was still the head coach in all those scenarios kind of the atmosphere was the same you know Andrew Janoko was there for most of the years Akubiak was there for most of the years like a lot of the same people were still there maybe the signal caller changed but a lot of the surrounding insulating pieces for Cousins didn't change in a lot of the aspects because it was under the same regime I think the fact that it's new a new offensive coordinator new quarterbacks coach like new group in there I think that's different enough that I care uh and it's a new atmosphere it's not going to be the Zimmer way of doing things. They're presumably going to call plays differently. They're presumably going to take on some different offensive strategies. And so I think generally, I think it's, it is important and valuable to kind of look at how Kirk Cousins does. And I think at this point with you've gone and got your offensive mind at this point, after five games, even if Cousins is good, you should expect a jump up from good to great after the five games. So I don't really care how he does in the first five games, or I don't necessarily think that matters in how you view that for the rest of the season. But I think in general, we should carry care about the storyline of Kirk cousins adjusting to Kevin O'Connell. I think we have, if we just want to look a year back, uh, Matthew Stafford adjusting to Sean McVay, that they jumped out of the gates hot. They had a lull. They came back. I think the ebbs and flows are really important. And you just saw what that team was able to do. So I think it is really valuable to see what Kirk does. Is it generally overrated? The thought of, Oh no, they're changing their offensive scheme or for a defense. Oh no, three, four to four, three. Like I think we can maybe make some of these things out to be a little bit bigger than they are. But I think in terms of the factors of Kirk Cousins individual situation and just the at-large factors of what they've hoped this Vikings team can be and should be for this year in particular, I think it's important how he starts. I think it's important how he does in the middle, how he finishes. And so it is a storyline that I think 
should get a lot of run. Whether you think it should or should not, it will get a lot of run. We're going to hear about it, um, and I think it's important. So uh, looking at his PFF grades through the first five games of each year when he's changed offensive coordinators, uh, it's less consistent than that other number suggests. There have been a lot of ups and downs, but what I found fascinating is that the bigger picture numbers seem to be almost exactly the same, whether it's the beginning of the season or middle end. Um, as far as even when I looked at, I uh, used Ben Baldwin of The Athletic, I used his site that shows you completion percentage over expected, expected points added. Kirk's in the same spot in the chart both times. You'll never guess which general area of the chart that he's in. But like, the, like it seems to me that Cousins is so detailed as a person that he probably gets it pretty fast. And with this group, it's not a bunch of new teammates that he's adjusting to. It's all the same teammates. I mean, Irv Smith wasn't there last year, but he's played with Irv Smith quite a bit. He had an entire training camp with Irv Smith last year. The offensive line is almost entirely the same outside of the right guard. The receivers are the same. The running backs are the same from last year. It's like all the players that you're trying to get on the same page with and learn this with, you've done this with them before with a new offensive coordinator. So I think by the time you get to game one, plus you have a lot of time to game plan for those first couple of weeks. Like by the time you get there, you should really be a finished product and know exactly what you're doing on every play and every call, because that's the job. It's not an easy job, but somebody who's done it for that long, it's one of the things that separated Kirk Cousins early on in his Washington career was that he could get the offense down. He could get everybody lined up. He could call the things that are supposed to be called and know the adjustments and protections and, you know, all those things that we see a lot of guys fail with. And, and a lot of complaints about Sean Mannion, who we'll talk about a little later, but it's one of the things he's really good at is like, he really knows how to get these things down. Um, so I don't think that the adjustment for Kirk cousins, learning the offense is a thing, but here's where it becomes a thing. The expectation is not that Kirk cousins will just have another year and it'll be like, Oh, well, ups and downs, hundred quarterback rating PFF thinks he's real good. Expected points added. Doesn't like these things that have existed year after year. Like that's not what anybody is looking for, for this season. What everybody's looking for, for this season is that you are one of the best offenses in the entire NFL. So does this look different and does he look comfortable operating something different even from day to day in training camp and how he's adjusting to a new philosophy? It's not just a new playbook, but a new philosophy. And when they changed philosophies from 2018 to 2019, there was a big adjustment there for the first couple of weeks of the season. And then they got into a groove. Also schedule matters though. How hard are the defenses that you're playing? How healthy are the defenses that you're playing? All that stuff matters. But I think when the expectation is whatever you were before, you have to be better than that for the last four years, which is you know pretty good by the numbers. If you go since 2019, they have the 11th best scoring offense since 2019. And here we are saying, no, no, it actually has to be better than that because that's why Kevin O'Connell is here, then right. I think the day-to-day -day actually does matter. And I've always found, Paul, that you know the thing that you take away from training camp is the weaknesses of the team really show after you're watching day after day after day after day. And so you come out of training camp going, how much are these weaknesses going to hurt you? And last year, 
the biggest weakness that they had other than you know, the secondary was a little bit problematic, but like the biggest weakness that they had was that their head coach and their quarterback weren't even remotely on the same page. And the entire team had a downtrodden vibe for pretty much the entire camp after the whole COVID and vaccination thing happened. That was like the, the biggest weakness that we came out with. And as the season played out through throughout the year, that showed up that even that tension that existed early on made a difference later on. So how well O'Connell and cousins are gelling on this offense is something that's going to matter. Same deal with 2018, where it was very clear a, that the offensive line wasn't going to be good enough, but B that D Filippo and Mike Zimmer just were not going to work together very well. And Kirk was kind of caught in the middle. I mean, so all of these things, they end up generally cropping up but maybe don't necessarily show up. Or also I would say too, the 2017 offense in training camp was just humming. I mean, it was really terrific. Now, you know, it required Case Keenum stepping in and adjusting, but uh, what they did on week one of 2017 was not super shocking to anybody because of how good Sam Bradford had looked during that training camp. So I think that you get a feeling that doesn't mean in week one or week two, it's going to show up, but it's a very long season. And I think that we know what the strengths are, but if there are weaknesses, then we can predict out, okay, these might be problems later that might hold them back from being that top seven to 10 offense that they want to be. Yeah. And the thing I just keep coming back to is they didn't hire Kevin O'Connell because they wanted to improve the defense. Like they didn't go in saying, man, thank God we have Kevin O'Connell. He's going to unlock DJ Wanham. Like that is not the question. That is not what he's been asked to do. What Kevin O'Connell has been asked to do is to elevate Kirk Cousins. And I know he's been pretty solid, best of his career in his years with Minnesota, but that didn't get them far enough. And they said, we want an offensive-minded head coach because we see offense is the way that the league trends and we need to be better. We need to be great. And so the biggest factor in that is Kirk Cousins. It's not the right guard competition. It's not the third wide receiver. It's not Justin Jefferson. It's how well does Kirk Cousins gel with Kevin O'Connell? How well does O'Connell call plays for Kirk Cousins? Like, how do they mesh together? And so it's going to be important to watch what Kirk Cousins is doing, how it's trending at every point of the season, because that truly, at the end of the day, we talk so much about the ins and outs of this team, but for so much of the league, it just comes down to how your quarterback plays. And that's how it's going to come down to for this Vikings team. Uh, no matter how much we think otherwise, it's going to come down to how Kirk Cousins plays. And the single biggest factor that's changed for him is the signal caller. So we're going to pay attention to that signal caller, and that's either going to get a lot of praise or a lot of blame, depending on how this goes so far. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a massive storyline heading into the season. And as far as the signals, we're going to be looking for how everyone is talking about it because, you know, there's this idea and maybe this has gone away since we have much more access to press conferences and stuff, but there used to be this idea that nobody ever said anything and it was just like coach speak and whatever else. But we know that if something's going wrong they're not going to be able to cover it up just because Kevin O'Connell is nicer at the podium than Mike Zimmer or less blunt that we can always get a sense for these types of things where it's headed, or if it's really succeeding, you know, a good example of that would be last year, Irv Smith in training camp was having a great camp and the way everyone talked about him sort of matched up with that. 
Um, and the opposite has been true in previous years. When there's frustration, it usually shows in some way or another body language, the success on a daily basis of the offense, all those things that like, those are the reasons we go out there as opposed to just sitting at home. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on all of that to get any signals about how the offense is adjusting, but it'll probably take a few weeks to get any sort of real feel for it. Now, uh, here's my next question for you, Paul. Should Kirk Cousins play in preseason games, considering it is a brand new offense for him? Well, this this is an inter- interesting question because obviously Kevin O'Connell comes from the Rams and the Sean McVay is famous for saying, Matt Stafford will never play a preseason game as long as he's the quarterback on our team. Like McVay and that Los Angeles Rams team has been very, very adamant that they are not going to play their star players in preseason. They don't want to get him injured and they don't see a ton of value in it. And so I don't know if you guys have had a chance to ask uh, Kevin O'Connell what his philosophy is for preseason games. That will obviously come at some point if it hasn't already. Uh, But to me, I don't think Kirk Cousins needs to play in preseason games. I I think it's obviously something we love to talk about and analyze and find hidden gems. But for the most part, the first couple games, they're playing a series or two series. Then maybe the third, there's only three games now. So maybe the third, he's playing a little bit more. Um, But maybe you get a full half of football and half those drives maybe are three and outs where they don't really do a ton. Like when you break it down of how many snaps, how many important snaps, how many things you can really judge off of them in preseason games, especially for the starters, it's very, very low. And so the idea that you're going to throw him out there because it's a new system and you're going to risk him getting hurt, even though he, you know, he has been pretty um, like he's, he doesn't get injured very much. I just don't see the value necessarily in it. Uh, I, I think one thing McVeigh has talked about with his team is, you know, we're going to get a lot more from the practices, from the practices where we bring in other teams and we kind of have joint practices there. It's a little bit more controlled. We don't have to worry about him getting his head ripped off by some defensive end who's trying to prove that he belongs in the league or something like that. Like you're just going to have the controlled surrounds of practice and you can get, you can understand what's going on there. So Kirk Cousins was joining a new team uh, altogether. Maybe I feel different, but the coaching staff for me feels like the only reason why you'd consider putting him out there uh, at all. And to me, he's going to go through his ups and downs in the season when the football actually matters, when it's not slightly fake and not really caring about the outcome for a lot of the players, especially when he's on the field going against other starters, everyone's just trying to get comfortable. So to me, am I going to be upset if he does play? Not really, but I don't see a ton of value. If he has a total of one half's worth of plays, if that happens, if he gets those in the first game of the season, is it really going to change that much? I don't think so. So I don't think he should play in the preseason games. I think they should let, Sean Mannion, Kellen Mond, whoever else battle it out for that backup quarterback job, whatever they want to do with those snaps. But I don't think Cousins needs to be a part of it. Folks, want to remind you to go to sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off your purchase. It is summertime. It's baseball season. They have all sorts of great Minnesota baseball gear. And if you are prepping for training camp, get your Purple People Eaters shirt, your Can't Stop the Thielen hat, and all sorts of other great football designs. Go there, sodastick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, promo code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off. 
I totally agree with you. I don't see any reason to play him a single snap. And even if week one, the first couple of series, he's a little bit rockier than he has been in the past. If Kirk Cousins gets injured, you are winning three to four football games. Like that's the reality. Or you're trading for somebody, but I don't know how you're going to afford trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. So like who's playing quarterback for you? Uh, that's going to be a major problem if he gets hurt. And you say, like you said, well, you know, he's got this great health record. That's true. But last year there was a missed assignment on the offensive line and a Kansas city chief linebacker in the third preseason game came untouched and smacked Kirk cousins. Like you're right about guys trying to make the team or trying to earn spots. You don't want any part of that. Like he cannot go down or you're having a really horrible season. There's no case Keenum here to bail you out. That's not somebody who had a career beforehand of being a starter and knows what he's doing. I mean, this team did not make an investment nor could they in the backup quarterback situation, aside from a third round draft pick. And from what we've seen of Kellen Mond, that doesn't appear to be going anywhere, which we'll get to, but I think it would be senseless to play him. I think it was senseless for Mike Zimmer to play him and Zimmer could just never let it go. Like Zimmer was the ultimate. I don't know if you ever see this meme on Twitter or somewhere else where someone will be like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, I did it. Like whatever it was, or don't say it. Don't say it. it's like Zimmer, the whole training camp would be like, don't play him in the preseason games. Don't, don't do it. Don't I'm doing it like every time. And he lost Irv Smith for the year. Now, Irv, maybe that knee was a ticking time bomb and he would have got hurt anyway. I don't know. But if I'm going to lose him, I'm going to lose him against the Packers. I'm not going to lose him against the Chiefs in a preseason game that doesn't matter. And I think what the Rams have shown us is it kind of connects to what we were saying before, that these players are so good now at being 365 NFL players. It is a full-time job for them and they have this down so well of learning new playbooks, mastering those things, being ready to play. Remember the year there was no training camp? Like, did anybody miss it? Or no preseason 2020? Did anybody miss it? A shortened training camp? Did anybody miss it? It was like the, the minute it was over, we all forgot. So the Rams have been ahead of the game. And I think that uh, the Vikings will too. If you buy tickets and you take your family and you don't see cousins, it stinks. It's not great but you'd much rather see them win in the regular season and stay healthy than you would losing some starters. So I don't think anybody should play Jefferson Thielen. If they want to have multiple night practices to add a little more intensity, they are practicing with the 49ers, which is going to be more intense. So there's, there's plenty of opportunities for them to have more competitive reps to get in. Uh, they don't need this. And it gives, you know, the other thing too, it gives a lot of opportunity for other players to develop and to emerge because that might be the only three games you play all year. So if that's the case for Kellen Mond, by the end of those three games, you should have a really good feeling for where he stands in actual game action. Right. And like, if you want to throw Lewis scene out there, cause you want like him to get under the big lights, not that he didn't face that at Georgia enough times, but like, if you want the like shine of I'm an NFL player on an NFL field to wear off for someone like that, like I understand Would I maybe still hold him out probably, but like, is that someone where I I understand your side of the argument where you say, we want to get him some reps. We just want to get him feeling comfortable on that field. So in week one, he's not deer in the headlights and he doesn't give up these major coverage assignments. Like, okay, I can understand the value. And if you feel like that's risk worth, worth risking an injury, then okay. 
but I don't see the argument for Cousins. Uh, I don't I don't see why he can't just start right up and play really really well. Like this isn't a foreign concept that a lot of teams aren't doing. Like the Rams aren't doing it, but like you don't really ever see Rodgers in the preseason. Do you see Brady in the preseason? No. Like you don't need to. And he's getting up in age with those guys. Like the starters that are older than Cousins are Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Those are like the only guys that are older than Cousins. And that sneaks up on you quickly. Like I wouldn't have expected you to be able to say he's like the fourth oldest, fifth oldest starting quarterback, but that's where he's at. So regardless of if he's had injuries before, like he's getting older, you just, you got to save him. If not for injury, just, I, I, I don't see a ton of value in it. And you're going to get so much from those practices by the end of training camp. They've practiced so much pretty, they practiced everything all the several, several times. Like I don't think they need game action to go through it. All right. Uh, I want to, before I ask you the next question, want to say no jinx. Okay. This is, uh, this is just a question. My questions jinx, nothing. Okay. If, if my, if my topics had any impact on the Vikings, imagine where they would be. We'd be excited about Mac Jones throwing to Jamison Williams. Okay. So or Lamar they don't. Jackson. Yeah. But I'm going to, yeah, Lamar Jackson. Right. But I'm going to say this. Here's the question. If Kirk Cousins got hurt day one of practice, so first day, Cousins goes down, hurt, is out for the year, what do they do at quarterback? Yeah, I had a hard one with this. Um, I mean, they've spent all offseason touting this competitive rebuild that they believe they have the roster to play well. They believe they have the pieces around Cousins to elevate him even further and for Cousins to elevate the pieces around him. And so it feels hard for me to say they're just going to roll with Sean Mannion or Kellen Mond. I know you talked about, I don't know how they'd fit it under the the um, cap to go get Jimmy Garoppolo, but that feels like the type of move that they do. And I think for Vikings who can look back just even a few years, they understand maybe that's not the smartest option. But I think for the way that this team has gone about its offseason in terms of adding Zadarius Smith, plugging the guard competition with veteran guys that you hope fill that role when you're pushing money down the line for Adam Thielen and Harrison Smith, and you're trying to eke out the last that Eric Kendricks and some of those other defensive players have, like you've committed yourself to trying to be good this year. So if you do all those moves and then you get hit with an unfortunate cousins ACL tear, something happens to him. Like it's, I'm hard pressed to believe based on what they've done so far this off season that they say, dang, that's a bad break, but we're going to shift and Kellen Mond's going to be our starter. Like they're just, they just haven't made the moves that makes you think that they would do that. And so I think that means they try to go see what Jimmy Garoppolo's market is. They, I don't even know what the other quarterbacks are out there. He's really the only name now that Baker Mayfield's off the board that I can even think of, but they obviously would have to add someone to the room. I would presume you wouldn't just have Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion on the roster, but I think they'd want someone that they can bring in and feel like can take them to the playoffs immediately. And that's not a long list right now, but that's how I'm viewing it. I'm viewing it. Like I, I, if I was playing Madden, I would let them tank the season, but that's not what we're playing. Like you're playing with guys as livelihoods, the chemistry in the locker room, the egos in the locker room, like all of them want to win and you've signaled to them, you want to win. And now you're going to throw Kellen Mond. Like, all of them know what that means then at that point. And so for the veterans in the locker room, for a first year head coach, like you got, you need them on your side. And 
for all that to happen, all, all of those things just make me think that they would try to go big game hunting and find someone that they can bring in. That's if not at Kirk cousins level one tier below where they feel like we can still make the playoffs. We can still make something happen. So I think what they would do realistically speaking is they would call up the 49ers or maybe the 49ers are already here with the joint practices and they would say, all right, we don't have the cap space, so we will give you a higher draft pick, which is, again, it's not a great idea, but they have done this before and it wouldn't be shocking if they did it again, since they still do all the same stuff that Rick Spielman used to do. We will give you a higher draft pick than what they got for Baker if you take most of the money. So we'll give you a second or something like that for Jimmy Garoppolo. And then it's even possible. It even opens the door for Garoppolo to be a long-term option for them, but they would not be able to do it unless San Francisco could take most of the money because the Vikings have only around 11 million, but you can't spend 11 million. You can only spend a couple because there's injuries and more players you got to pay for and all those things. So you, you really don't have a whole lot uh, of cash to work with at the moment. However, I did come up with some other ideas. I'm sure you're surprised by this. No. Yeah. First, first idea, Teddy Bridgewater is a backup quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Would it not be the irony of all ironies if they brought back Teddy once Mike Zimmer was fired? Like just to torture <laughs> Mike. Like, yeah, Mike, we hated you this much. We brought back Teddy when you were gone. So that's my first idea. That's a good one. Here's my other ones. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick just retired. He can't be that far out of shape. Hey, Ryan, are you retired? Yeah, I think I'm retired. What about like 9 million bucks retired or whatever, right? You know, restructure yeah. a contract or something. Like, well, okay, maybe, right? Gunsling it around to Justin Jefferson. Hey, you ever had a good team before, Ryan? It's been a while, right, my friend? Maybe, maybe. Okay, then I got some more absurd ones. But sure. Drew Brees, no longer a broadcaster, all right? Or or is limited in his broad whatever he was doing, he got kicked off because he wasn't right. any good. Right. And in his there was some tweet, I forget, maybe it was a reporter, or maybe it was a tweet by him that said, you know, I want to approach the, the rest of my life and I'm not sure what I want to do. Maybe it's fishing, or maybe it's coming back, or maybe it's something else or something. I was like, Well, stop there. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Say coming back. <laughs> I mean. Send everybody, what, does Jared Allen around to send to his ranch? Just be like, Drew, one year, throw the ball at 13 miles an hour to Justin Jefferson. He'll go catch it, try to win us something. Come on, man. I bet the accuracy is still there. He could learn the offense. Come out of retirement. It'd be one of the craziest things ever. Um, the name Ben Roethlisberger did come to my mind, but I was like, no, nah, I'm drawing the line on myself right there. Uh, I Taylor that. Heineke. I, I also thought of Taylor Heineke. Or how about this? How about this? Rudy Gobert style, five, five draft picks for Kyler Murray. Okay. Five first round draft picks for Kyler Murray. I, I won't be partaking in that, um, in that trade. Uh, my, if that came up on Madden, I would say, well, maybe let's, maybe let's go the tanking route. But I mean, if the Vikings are desperate enough at that point, we don't know the conversations Quasey and Kevin have been having with ownership, but presumably they've gone about this saying we can win. And at that point you've told the owners they can win. That's what they're expecting. That's what they want. Uh, that's when crazy trades like this start to happen or these crazy things start to happen. So we don't know quite what the temperature is behind the scenes and exactly what they want to see this season, 
but their moves tell us they want to be competitive. And I, that tells me they're not rolling out and saying, Kellen Mond, let's see what happens here. Like that, that doesn't seem the way that this franchise would operate. You think the Packers would give him Jordan love? Man, I, I'm, I'm, it depends how much you're going to give them in cap space. I, I, or in draft picks, I think at this point, like they probably have a pretty good idea of what Jordan Love's value is um, and or what he could be. And so I think it'd be kind of dangerous if they're like, oh, yeah, we'll give you Jordan Love. And you're like, wait, it wasn't supposed to be that easy. Like you just you just want us to give him a, you a fourth round pick. You're going to give us Jordan Love. They're like, yeah, 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 we'll give you Jordan Love. You'd be like, well, maybe <laughs> give me a second. I got to I got to talk with some people, see if we want that. So that'd be interesting, but I don't know how much that improves you really. I think at that point you want something you feel more proven about. Yeah. Yeah. Like Taylor Heineke. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Uh, Next question. I want you to give me a rage scale. So one is no rage. 10 is flaming hot rage. Mm -hmm. How upset will Vikings fans be when Sean Mannion is still taking second team reps on August 15th? I mean, a 10, right? I, I, I would think so. I think there's a large contingent of the fan base that uh, still wants to see what Kellen Mond uh, can do. And to a certain extent, I don't blame them. Um, what good does it give you putting Sean Mannion to take the quarterback rep, the second team quarterback reps on August 15th? Like what, just like we just talked about Kirk Cousins in preseason games, what is Sean Mannion learning on August 15th with the second team reps? Like, not that much. He is who he is. He's come in late to this team before in the season and just been their backup. Like, he doesn't, he didn't need a full offseason. Like, like to me, this, it, it, they should go to Mond. So I wouldn't blame fans for being upset. Uh, not because I think Kellen Mond is the next long term starter of this team, but he really should, with, there's no one impeding his progress to get that backup job. And there's, there really should be no one trying to impede his progress to get that backup job. Cause I really think Sean Mannion is who he is. I don't think he needs those second team reps. I think they can be valuable for Kellen Mond. And I think they can be valuable to see if he has just enough to be a backup that you feel like can come in and play at any point. And it's a new coaching staff that hasn't seen him as much. So they haven't had this past year to kind of break down everything that he did in that training camp and practices all throughout the year. So the, the reps just matter so much more to Kellen Mond and that either tells you he can be a backup or it reaffirms maybe what the previous regime said, which is, Hey, it's, it, it's not going to happen for this guy. So if he's not getting second team reps, I, I would be upset because Sean Mannion's biggest value to this team is as Kirk Cousins friend who helps him prepare and does things like that. He can do that as the, as the practice team squad quarterback or the guy that's taking the third team reps. However many quarterbacks you want on the roster, like, he doesn't need to be in that second role. The, the most value he adds is in that room, not what he's doing with the second teamers. So I think Kellen Mond should get those reps. And I would not fault fans at all for being upset if that's the way that this goes. Well, I'd put it this way. Who cares? I mean, if your rage is at 10 because they're not playing one of two backup quarterbacks who were drafted in the third round and have no chance whatsoever of ever being franchise quarterbacks or no chance whatsoever of winning you football games. If your quarterback gets hurt, don't spend your rage points on those spend your rage points on stuff that matters. Like 
this is over the years. It's been a really funny thing to watch. I mean, truly hilarious to watch people spend their rage points on Alexander Hollins, Kyle Sloter. What do, what are we doing here? Folks, these things don't matter at all. Like Kyle Sloter was in the USFL and I think he led the USFL in interceptions. Alexander Hollins, I think went to another team. He was wide receiver six. If that guy ends up playing, you lost already. Like the same thing goes for this. Like Kellen Mond is not, this is not Madden where they get little XP points and they just, everyone just develops all the time. That's not how this works. Like Kellen Mond play a lot of football in college. The chance that he's going to go from someone who can't beat out Sean Mannion to Kurt Warner is pretty low. So I'm not concerned at all about that. I would say the second team reps do matter because Sean Manny needs to be ready to play. We, we talked about the scenario that Kurt goes out for the whole year and how absurd they would, you know, that it would be for them to scramble around. But what about two games? Like you need someone who can give you the chance to win one. So think of Sean Mannion as like a poor man's chase Daniel, which is hilarious as a sentence, but like, if Chase Daniel is not really good at anything, but what can he do? He can sort of operate the offense a little. Now, if you're not playing at Lambeau in January against a really good defense and facing Aaron Rodgers, could you win a grind fest where you run Delvin Cook, hit a couple of passes? If you can operate the offense and score 17 points, like you can win a game like that. You can't if the guy comes out and just can't run the offense at all and can't complete passes, which is basically what it looked like to watch Kellen Mond play last year in training camp. So if he looks the same, you need Sean Mannion to be ready for that scenario where you're going to be out for two games. That's where it matters. But if it's any more than two, three games, you're just losing the whole season without Cousins. And also, you should only get upset if someone actually legitimately had a chance to go somewhere. So if this was a first round quarterback, if they picked Kenny Pickett in the first round and then they were still giving Sean Mannion the reps, you should be apoplectic. This is absurd. You drafted our future quarterback and then you're not letting him get practice reps, but this is not your future quarterback. And I know people can say, why are you so harsh on Kellen Mond? It's not harsh. It's just reality. Look up all the third round picks. I did. I believe it was 28 have been drafted since Kirk that were third or fourth rounders and one has succeeded. So what percentage is that? I mean, if it's third or fourth round, like what percentage is that? So the odds are not in his favor. There's nothing to signify that he's the future quarterback. Don't worry about it. If you want to be mad, find something else to be mad about. Yeah. I, I would, it's more just like, could he, he's not going to be the starter, but can he be, any sort of backup and can you find that out? Um, I think it's just pretty established what Sean Mannion's going to give to you. And if he's out even two games, I don't think you're winning either of those games. And so for me, it's just like, why not? Why I it, like, I, I don't have expectations that he's going to be really good, uh, but I, I just don't see harm in it. And I guess I have less concern about him, about Sean Mannion getting those second team reps. Um, again, I think, He's obviously been in so many different scenarios with so many different teams. Like he's going to do everything we know about Sean Mannion is he's meticulously going to work in that quarterback room after practice, regardless of who he's getting reps with necessarily. And so to me, it's just like, there's more upside in giving Kellen Mond the reps and seeing if he has any, anything at all, anything discernible that you want to keep on your team. Now, am I in particular going to get super mad? No, but it's just, to me, it's 
you, you balance the opportunity cost of it. And it's just, I just see more like if there's any upside to Mon that's hasn't been mined yet, like you might as well find that out before you ship him out. I don't think there's anything else you're finding in Sean Mannion. And I get the argument that you want him to get the reps uh, at, at any point, but in, in August, uh, I just, I see more in trying any sort of development route for Kellen Mond than I do just punting on it altogether and hiding him on the roster. Yeah, there is an important issue here, though, with the second team is that that's a lot of players who you're trying to evaluate and develop. And if the that's guy fair. can't get people lined up right and throw to the right receiver, how are you judging Amir Smith-Marset and B.C. Johnson and uh, Jalen Naylor and the, like whatever other receivers might be fighting for position? Your Blake Proles of the world, if he's going to be back, I, I don't know if he will. But, uh, you know, those guys, like they need to be evaluated. You need to make those decisions and you got to have a quarterback who's throwing to the right receiver at very least. They'll have a tight end competition behind the starters. And from what I saw in minicamp, it wasn't going very well with Kellen Mond, even just understanding where he was supposed to go. So yeah, I think that it's probably important to play Sean Mannion as QB two, as much as that's going to drive everyone nuts, unless Mond takes big steps which is my last question for you. And we can answer quickly because we spent a lot of time on that, but just like, what does he have to do? What would he have to do in order for you to say, eh, maybe, maybe not QB two, but maybe future QB one. This to me is like the most long shot of long shots, but it's not impossible. What would he have to do in those preseason games for you to say, maybe there's something there. I mean, to be a QB one, I guess we didn't really define what future consideration was, but I think it's all those things you kind of mentioned that are issues about him being on the second team. Like, is he like, is he showing decisiveness in the pocket? Is he showing good decision-making? Is he putting the ball where it needs to be? Does he have good feel? Like, is he accurate? Like those are the things more than he threw for three touchdowns in a preseason game that you're caring about, right? You're just, caring about can he operate the offense because whatever expectation you had for him last year, you have to knock that down a ton based on just where he is. So you just need to see, does he have the core competencies to be a potential quarterback? Like, can he operate the offense? Does he know what to do in the huddle? Like, are those things happening? And I think that gives you thought that he can be a backup one. Like, so that's where, that's where you want to start. And then does he show off, kind of the tools and flashes that made people like him. Like, can he show the running ability? Can he show a bigger arm? Like the things that like made you want to draft him are probably still there. The things that you really need are just those, you know, those intrinsic things that make a quarterback, a good quarterback, the ones when they know to step up because they can feel pressure coming from their blind side. Like those are just little tendencies you want to start to see from him. Not did he throw an 80 yard bomb to someone? Because I think we've seen his talent in college. Like, if that happens, like, yes, that's well within the realm of possibility of outcomes. But if he does that and then th- goes three and out the next four times like that, it's not an accurate rep. That one play is not an accurate representation of what you're going to get. So I think if he can show some of those things, then I, you, then my argument of he should get those reps and be the backup, I think is valid. Like if he goes and plays clean preseason games, then I think that's where it needs to be. And if the Vikings move off of Kirk cousins next year, maybe that means you have a weird bridge quarterback for a year that you don't have to pay a lot or something like that is the best outcome that I see. If he looks great is you have a bridge guy that isn't the future to the franchise, but can at least 
be competent while you groom your next guy and you have him on the cheap. Like that is the best case. And the way he does that is just those small things. I'm not really going to be paying attention to the highlight real plays because I think we know he's capable of potentially pulling off one of those two things. What we don't know is can he go through his reads the way he's supposed to like those just basic things need to happen. And that's what would get me excited that there's anything there. Yeah. I think that uh, the answer is probably no, (laughs) that there's probably really nothing that can be done to suggest that he will be the future starting quarterback of the Vikings. And here's how I know Uh, I'm going to pull up the PFF grades last year from preseason just take a look who was up there. Uh, let's see the uh, the third highest graded quarterback in preseason last year was Jacob Eason, who might be out of the league. Uh, Kyle Laletta, Nathan Peterman. These are among the top graded preseason. Ben DiNucci, if you remember him from his one marvelous start. These are the guys, some of the top graded um, quarterbacks from preseason. Like this is how it goes, right? A lot of guys put up big numbers in preseason where I would be intrigued and only really where I would be intrigued is if he was getting all the QB two reps and in those joint practices really ripped up the 49ers and had 49ers players saying, wow, I mean, you guys got something players know, right. They're going to know if somebody has got the talent. Um, but you know, that that's kind of a, a stretch. And then I think he would have to play in real games and play really well. Because even then, there's small sample sizes to everything. He would have to get in some games and then show he was really in command and make plays and make really strong, accurate throws, which just even the most basic drop back, run a play action, throw to someone wide open is actually harder than you think. And most human beings cannot do it. Uh, And so last year in camp and really in the preseason games, that wasn't happening. So if we see a completely different look in year two, not totally impossible, then maybe we start to have that discussion, but it would, uh, yeah, I mean, it would take a lot in order to get there. So that is your quarterback preview. We're going to talk running backs, receivers, all the other positions throughout the week, as as well as uh, other conversations. Arif Hassan has promised to come on. Um, I'm going to have a, I'm hoping to have a wide receiver trainer, to break down Justin Jefferson's game and how he might adapt to being the Cooper cup role. So lots of stuff here as we are into the mode of previewing training camp, Paul, thank you for your time as always. And uh, we will talk to you all later.